when you see me on TV, it's not any different than the person I am right now. You know, it's maybe like I'm a little more energized, right. but it's me on my best day ever. And how I handled that situation was how I'd handle it in normal life, kind of, you know, not taking it too seriously, having fun with it, and recognizing that that guy did me a favor, because that segment was probably going to be very boring otherwise, <laughs> and it turned into the best yeah. uh, must-watch TV ever. <laughs> What's up? It's your boy, DJ Omowski. I'm chilling here with Waleezy. We actually have a special co-host today, Louis Coppola, who's uh, the day-to-day manager for John Bellion, and a very special guest today from Long Island. Uh, she's a TV personality, a wellness expert. It's Stephanie Rose. What's up, Stephanie? Hello. What's Good going to be on? here. Happy to be here. Thank you for coming. Mm-hmm. So I want to jump into a couple of things, but we take a look at you as you know, a successful person in your fields, and we want to kind of get to a place where we kind of learn about your journey because people who watch you and see you on TV or you know some of your wellness things, they want to know how you got to that point. So what kind of got you interested in just being on TV and being a reporter and things like that? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for considering me successful. Because <laughs> that, we definitely do. That is a compliment in and of itself, right? Um, and for me, TV actually was like an incidental choice because I really wanted to be an actor. I really mm. wanted to be a theater nerd forever because I was one growing up through high school and stuff. But when I went to college, my parents were like, get a real job. How about that? (laughs) Yeah. I don't want you to be a struggling artist forever. And I was mad at the time, but now I'm kind of glad that that was the guidance I got, you know? And so I chose radio, TV, film as my sort of backup and still did theater on the side. In fact, uh, my name is on a plaque. At my college theater because I was cool. inducted into that's, their hall that's of awesome. fame. Wow. That's awesome. So add that to my success. I was going to say, I should have said at the beginning. <laughs> Make sure you write that one down. Uh, but so I got into TV, and when I did, it was right after I graduated college. It was all behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't really feel very confident pursuing the on-air work. So I just said, you know what, I'm in the industry and that's kind of good enough. Mm-hmm. And I got the opportunity to be on air in an in a completely accidental way. Wow. Yeah, starting in TV and in radio is not that easy. No. And you talk about how, you know, you are currently on air for segments, but to get to that point is a lot of hours and developing your reel and, yeah. you know, being the producer, being the uh, PA, the AP. Yeah. So talk about that process because... You know, it's not just, you know, you're not just on TV one day. There's a lot of uh, grind work that goes into it. Yeah, so for me, it's kind of weird because I was kind of just on TV one day. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll tell you that story. But but you're right. I've seen this happen with so many people. Um, I My first job was at We TV Women, Women's Entertainment. Then I worked for Fox News Channel in the city, mm. which was like, really, what a high-pressure situation there. Didn't like that pressure, so I left <laughs> and came to News 12 Long Island. And again, working behind the scenes, having no interest in being on air, this one day, the studio director walked past my desk and said, hey, I just need someone to sit at the anchor desk to uh, test a few shots, test some lighting. I said, okay, yeah, sure. I think it was the first time I had been in the studio and I had worked there for two years as the sort of office manager. Yeah. 
So I go in there, I'm sitting at the desk, and I'm like, oh, my theater glory days are suddenly <laughs> flooding is. back into my yeah. brain. This is where I should be. So he's having me like walk around the studio and I'm like doing like the really like anchor. I'm like posing like I'm an anchor. <laughs> You're going all in. You know, yeah. Straightening your papers you know, out. <laughs> not thinking anything of it, just kind of having fun in the moment. And the studio director comes back from the control room and says, hey, you know, you look really good on camera. Have you ever thought about being on TV? I look at him and I go, I've thought about it, Lou. I've thought about it. Interesting <laughs> you say that. You know? So he took the tape actually to the news director, and at the time, they were looking for someone to fill in for traffic, Long Island traffic. Mm -hmm. And the assistant news director comes to my desk and he goes, so, you know, we saw that tape where you were just kind of standing there, literally (laughs) just standing there. Uh, And he's like, we wanted to see if maybe you would do a little training and then do a demo for traffic and and maybe you could start filling in. And and my first reaction was, traffic? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Roads? Like, Who, so left of, yeah. I mean, who in their life thinks I'm going to be a traffic reporter? Right. Like, it's, it's not like a goal no, you know, no, no, for no. most people. Yeah. But, you know, for me, I was like, hey, it's an opportunity mm-hmm. to do something different. Right. Fun. In some way, it was something I always wanted to do, to be a performer, right. to, to speak publicly. I'm comfortable in that setting. So I learned 200 miles of Long Island Road wow. in about a week. Wow. You know? crazy. I did a demo. And I did the first demo. I was shaking. I was nervous. And then the news director goes, yeah, you look like you're ready. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I am. You don't <laughs> So, and, and that's the great thing about News 12 Long Island, actually, is that it is considered in the industry to be a learning mm-hmm. shop. Yeah. So they're awesome. really uh, open to giving people opportunities to kind of stumble their way through on air. And in those first days, I have, I have viewers, I have, you know, friends on Instagram who follow me who say they've watched me since, like, day one. And they're like, hey, it was a little rough when you first started. Yeah. Because I was nervous. Yeah, I was things for sure. I'm live on TV all yeah. of a sudden out of nowhere. Yeah. You yeah. know, this is crazy. But as time went on, I developed that skill. And, yes, to your point, it took a lot of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Waking up at 2 in the morning. Oh, yeah. Filling in. Um, on a Tuesday, I would do a shift that was 3.30 a.m. to noon. Mm-hmm. And then on the Wednesday, I would do my normal office manager shift. So for five years, wow. I was both the office manager and the traffic oh, fill-in. Wow. And people didn't really know. They are like, who's this like random girl? I was like, no, I'm actually working here yeah, every no. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did they just give you a book of all the roads on Long Island? Like, learn- <laughs> what really helped me was Google Maps. I I actually bought like a real old school map. Yeah. Like like you said, an atlas, a book. Um, I would study it. I would listen That's to crazy. 1010 Winds. Mm-hmm. I actually visited the 1010 Wind studio to see their operation because they're like traffic, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of a lot of self-training. And wow. again, that's what needed to happen to be successful because if I went on there, if I was given that opportunity, yeah. you know, the opportunity was great. But if I blew it, if yeah. I didn't really try, if I didn't really put the work in, mm-hmm. then it may not have gone anywhere. The right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the, I think when people get to, you know, the level where you're at and you're, you know, you're on TV and you're at the place where you want to be in terms of like at least in progression of where you want to be you know a lot of people say you know I got lucky but like for you you know 
the two things I always think about being accessible and having the willingness to do those overnights and putting in those morning hours, Mm -hmm. like you're not lucky because you put yourself in the right spot to get chosen sitting at that desk because you're, you know, willing to be in those places. But also, um, you know, just, you know, like you said, you're starting off and that's like the biggest thing that we, you know, talk to people, even ourselves, when we first started, we we didn't have the things plugged in the first four episodes. So we were like recording it on, we had to take audio from like the camera. (laughs) It was horrible. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So like, there's just like a, people are, scared to look vulnerable yeah and just have that moment where like i'm not a superstar and that's that's a scary feeling so what was it about that where you were you know able to be like you know i'm gonna i know i was shaky on this but i I have the willingness to want to grow yeah i think it's it is that willingness and and a willingness to feel the fear and do it anyway right Mm. and uh there's a quote by a yogi that i uh, you know, have followed and learned a lot from mm-hmm. that says, when the time is upon you, start and the pressure will be off. Mm-hmm. Because we feel we so much that. pressure right. in the anticipation right. yeah. of doing something that that pressure, before we even take the action, can actually kind of paralyze us, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. stop us from, from going forward. But the one thing that takes the pressure off is just doing it. Right. And then once you're in it, all of that anticipation, nervousness kind of goes away. It's replaced sometimes by a different kind of nervousness of, you know, evolving and growing and changing. But you also have to know that you will evolve. Like for you, you started plugging your equipment in, right? And things got better. For me, you know, the first few, even months of me reporting traffic, I was stumbling, nervous, shaky. Mm -hmm. And then five years later, People are like, hey, you're such you're a pro, natural. you know, you're a natural. It's like, well, it wasn't <laughs> you know? always enough. Exactly. It took a lot to get yeah. to that point. Um, there's the good thing about News 12 Long Island specifically is that there's a lot of anchors and reporters who've been there for 30 years, or yeah. there it was at least. So, yeah. you know, looking up to, I think, Carol Silva yeah. and all those types of, you know, strong anchors and women and men uh, at News 12. How were they in terms of like putting you under their wing? Yeah, so Carol Silva is a very now dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, she was so willing to give me constant advice. A lot of it was about my hair and how it looked. And <laughs> <laughs> that really annoyed me. But yeah. like, honestly, she taught me how to do my hair. Like, yeah. you know, I didn't know I was so bad at it until now. <laughs> But, you know, that's a small, very small thing. But she would constantly give me advice. She, she would constantly help to empower me. And not just Carol, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. you know, Elisa. Yes. Who, Elisa, who I was filling in for, you would think in a way we would be competitors. Right. But she actually was a mentor to me. So I think the environment there was and still is, and you still have a lot of long-term people there, mm-hmm. uh, very supportive. And that is such a gem. It's so hard to find in the TV industry where it could be really cutthroat. Mm-hmm. You know, the family aspect of that thing you see when you're watching the show, mm-hmm. that's real. It's really there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, because it's like you see that. You can see the difference between News 12 chemistry and like, you know, some other network when they're like, you know, faking it and they sound corny yeah. and stuff. So you can let that little like banter between yeah. segments. You you know that's real, so yeah. which is good. And the uh, I will get back to News 12 and media, but I want to jump into uh, some of the wellness aspects yeah. of your life because honestly, I, you know, we watch the videos and you just have like a, like, I feel like you're my, uh, without you knowing it, just like a life coach because the way you come <laughs> off is just like your demeanor's calm. Yeah. And it's when very you're calming. Yeah. yeah very I'm glad. Soothing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So like when you're, 
you're kind of, you know, walking through your listeners, or your followers through something wellness related, it's, you know, you're not just saying it, you're like showing it through your energy, yeah. which is nice. So what got you interested with that? Yeah. So I think that the reason why you feel that way when you're watching is because it's not just something I'm saying, it's something I have lived and mm. experienced for myself first before I'm kind of putting it out there. Right. I have always had the concepts of positive thinking and personal development as a base in my life because my grandfather, Frankie Z, who I often talk a lot about on Instagram and to my followers, was very ahead of his time. In the 60s, he studied with the first, one of the first yogis that came to the West to teach transcendental meditation, mm-hmm. which is oh. just one of the many types of meditation. But he... All my life growing up, I would see him, I got to go meditate, I got to go meditate. So like meditation was like a normal part of my life. Mm -hmm. And then when he would talk to us, he would, he was, he considered himself a motivator and he would try to motivate us. Every question I ever got from this man was, what's your next goal? What's new and exciting? Mm -hmm. Like it, it wasn't just small talk. Right. And he was always inspiring that mindset. Mm. And then, so for me, as I grew up, that was always in the back of my mind. But then as I went through the TV industry as an adult, you know, this is a very stressful industry, full of pressure, full of adrenaline. Energy, all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And after going through a period in my early 20s of a lot of stress in my personal life, on top of the stress of my work life, mm-hmm. I had a bit of an anxiety break in my life Mm -hmm. I suddenly started to develop panic attacks um so the story goes I started to develop panic attacks and for anyone who's ever had a panic attack it literally feels like you're dying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah there is something that happens in your lungs it's called um breath hunger where your lungs constrict and you start to feel like you can't breathe and this is a physiological reaction you know people who don't experience anxiety you think it's all in someone's head but it actually affects your biological chemistry Mm -hmm. so you're starting to have these these symptoms and i'm thinking to myself i'm having a heart attack i'm Mm -hmm. dying i'm having asthma what's happening (laughs) Uh, but and these things are all happening not under the pressure in fact at that time a lot of the pressure had passed it was after it was like an echo of the pressure so it didn't make sense. I couldn't correlate it to anything. I'd go to my doctor. I'm like, something's wrong. I have cancer. I'm dying. Which is like another thing anxiety <laughs> yeah. does to you. He looks me dead in the face and he goes, you have anxiety. Mm. You have a panic disorder. Uh, it runs in your family. and I'm going to give you mood stabilizers and Xanax and this and that and this and that. And I just left there stunned. And I was like, no, like, no, this can't be that I need this. And I'm not saying that some people don't need that medication. Some people do need it. Right. It can really help people. But for me, I felt like I, it was more of a acute situation mm. than a chronic situation. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, I made the decision I would practice yoga and meditation every day because I knew that my grandfather had done it. I knew it had made such a difference in his life. And even though I hadn't really done it as often up until that point, I knew it could help me. And I never had a panic attack again. Wow. And never took any medication for it. Yeah. Now, I still have the anxiety. It's still there. But now I've learned through yoga, meditation, and mindfulness. I went on to study as a teacher. I went to live in India for a month. In fact, I quit my job at News 12 <laughs> so that I could do it at the time because, and this was actually before I was on air, because they couldn't give me a month-long leave. But my boss was kind of like, if you reapply to your right. job, <laughs> yeah. we can somehow get you back in. <laughs> <laughs> in we'll see. 
Um, so that worked out, and I was able to come back after a month in India learning about yoga meditation from where it's from in a really authentic way, applying that to my own life, mm -hmm. and therefore I'm able to really understand those experiences of anxiety, stress, panic, and then say, hey, you know, this is what I'm teaching you, but this is what I'm teaching you because I've experienced the positive effects of it. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like that makes you such a reputable person that you experience it firsthand. Like, it's not like you were just, I know everyone else is feeling this, I can help you, but like when you, when you have that physical feeling and you have an understanding for it, you can then solve it in a different way than if you never experienced those feelings because you, yeah. you can just see where it's coming from, you know? Exactly, and I think that yoga and meditation mindfulness all those things are very misunderstood in the west especially mm -hmm. you know so for me going to india and really understanding what it's all about it's a it's a path to personal development you know and it is tools to help you become a better version of yourself mm -hmm. it's not just hey like what kind of gymnastics can i do for a picture on instagram and mm -hmm. you know hey that's cool that's the body but it's body mind emotions, thoughts, it mm. really encompasses everything. And for me, practicing it in that holistic way has what has been effective. I can't do many poses, you know? I'm not a, I'm not a poser. Yeah. <laughs> I can stand on yeah. my head. That's yeah. like my one trick pose. So, I mean, as far as meditation goes, if someone was looking to, to start meditating, how would you go about, like, what kind of advice would you give to kind of go about that? Because I feel like I've tried to meditate for a few minutes, and it's like my mind's all over the place. Yeah. And I just, like, lose it. So what would you recommend as far as advice as trying to someone to get into meditating? So I'd say that's normal. Right. Okay, that's exactly what happens. Yeah. You know, the biggest myth about meditation is that you're going to sit down, close your eyes. <laughs> that's exactly what I do. And suddenly... <laughs> well, like I'm literally suddenly, doing this in the sauna. I'm like, oh, like, not You're working. levitating. <laughs> yeah. Everything goes away, yeah. right? Like... But no, actually, when you close your eyes, that's when your mind explodes, right. okay, internally, because now it has nothing to be distracted by on the outside. So, it, you know, even for me, meditating for as long as I have, I still have that experience. Some days I cannot stop my mind from running, running, running like the little hamster on the yeah. wheel, right? So you have to understand that when you sit down to meditate, you're going to be thinking about what you're having for dinner or what someone said to you in the second grade that offended you. Like, that's <laughs> just going to come up. Yeah. The, the purpose of meditation is not to try to clear or quiet your mind. It's to try to begin to train your mind. It's to begin to look at the way those thoughts run around. Look at the quality or the kinds of thoughts you're having. Yeah. Are they predominantly negative? Are they predominantly, you know, just uh, the same kind of intrusive thoughts over and over again, which is what really generates a lot of anxiety is having just like this repetition of, of frightening or scary thoughts. When you sit down to meditate, if you go into it thinking, okay, I'm not trying to quiet my mind. But I'm going to watch it from a level a little bit higher than where I usually am. So the way I describe it is you have the thoughts you're thinking, mm -hmm. right? You have that level of awareness. And then you have a second level of awareness that you see the thoughts you're thinking, right? You're like kind of like there's one voice that's like thought, thought, thought. And then there's another voice that's like, oh, I'm having that thought again about whatever, What's that higher voice or thought or right. awareness? That's what's called in yoga the observer, the witness. That mm -hmm. is the higher awareness in you that can see the way you kind of behave on the ground level. It's like your drone awareness, right? It's like kind of hovering above. 
It's very neutral. It doesn't have any emotion. It just watches. And the more you can get into that watcher, that witness, the more you can see the way your thoughts affect your actions, your emotions. Your thoughts and your emotions create your state of being. Mm. If they are constantly negative, then you're going to be in a negative state of being. If you can start to recognize that and start to consciously change that, so again, this is like training. This is like yeah, a little literally. bit grueling, right. you know, it's at times. Because you're practicing for your brain. It's... Exactly. Yeah. If you can start to change those thoughts and emotions, then you could begin to change your state of being and be a happier person. Yeah. When you were telling the story about how panic attacks and anxiety came over in that phase of your life, I, I was kind of having chills because I actually had a similar situation when I first got it. And I haven't had it in a while. But a, a couple of years ago, I was getting these panic attacks. I got one. And I, my, my anxiety was coming because I was fearful that these would never stop. So I was, you know, thinking my anxiety is anxiety. So it was just, I was in the inception of anxiety. So I, I truthfully just felt so nervous that my life is going to be like this from, from, I'm never going to, this is never going to stop. But then I went to a doctor and I was trying to, because I didn't know what it was. I was trying to describe it, I was telling them I may have allergies. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. Happen. I was, I was uh, because I didn't. So much tissue box. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not feeling the best. <laughs> I was so nervous that yeah. I, I just didn't know how to explain how I felt. I was like, am I going like crazy? People were weighing in to help you because they love you and they're yeah. your support system. So they're like, you know what? Maybe you have, you know, because I was saying I was lightheaded. I was dizzy. Mm. I had shortness of breath. I was like, you know, having these like you know, spottiness, you yeah. know, that, that just draining feeling. They're so, like, you need to eat something. Right. Yeah. They're like, you don't <laughs> drink water. enough water. You need electrolytes. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Get, you to get, get a Gatorade. Exactly. <laughs> which are all things that are probably true. I don't drink enough water, which I should, and, and sleep patterns are a whole other story. But I went to a doctor, and I was, I was like telling him all these symptoms, and he was just like, and this isn't all doctors, and mm-hmm. this is in nurses and people in medical field, they're amazing. But this guy, like, he, he started laughing at me. So, and then he said, you, you have anxiety. And he started yeah. laughing and like doodling on his chart. Uh-huh. And I was just like, dude, that day, brutal. I, brutal. I, I just, I took that energy of him like laughing and be like, you know what? I'm going to reroute this to be something yeah. positive to kind yeah. of make myself better and use it as motivation rather than anything else. So, but then after all that stuff, you know, it's the way I described it is that and what Louie was saying about knowing and feeling that is you can teach it. It's like, you don't know what, like food really is until you're hungry so like anxiety is like you don't people like oh yeah you're just float you're trying to float on the clouds by meditating no like you're trying to restore some balance and and be like neutral with your thoughts correct right i'm not i'm not trying to be enlightened i mean what is enlightenment right right? like that's not really accessible we can't we don't have the luxury as as a yoga meditator whatever of going and living in a cave although that would certainly relieve most of your anxiety (laughs) right you know, for you, and I think in that situation, that doctor probably didn't have a personal experience right, with anxiety. Exactly. And if you don't, you don't understand how much it affects your body. Mm-hmm. And so that's like an important point because I say to people, you know, you have to think of yourself as a walking, talking nervous system. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's a physiological thing. This is a scientific thing. This is not woo woo. Okay. You have the sympathetic side of your nervous system, which is your stress response, fight or flight. Your mouth dries up, your pulse races, your palms sweat. And then you have the parasympathetic side of your nervous system, which is your rest and digest, your recovery, your calm. Everything relaxes. 
when we experience the sympathetic, and neither is good or bad, by the way. I don't want to, you know, make a value judgment and say you got to always be in that calm side. Sometimes right. you need that sympathetic. You have a deadline. Gets you're, energy. You know, up. you're trying to report something live on TV. Like, right. you know, that creates the energy. But when we're in that state too often and when you experience anxiety, you're having a hyper-reactive response to the sympathetic fight-or-flight state. We needed that for our survival initially, but you're not running from a bear on Long Island in your car when you're having a panic attack, right? So why are you in this sympathetic state? We can use these practices and these tools to actually not only affect the thoughts we have in our mind to have a better quality of our thinking, but to actually affect our physiology to shut down that physical anxiety Mm -hmm. response in the nervous system activate the parasympathetic response and know that once you learn that every time you experience these symptoms you can use it i'm not saying it's going to be 100 percent effective every time mm-hmm. but you have a tool to cope right mm-hmm. you have yeah you, you can kind of control it in a sense yes like you said it's something that might ne- never go away for either even me like when i like i work in a in a high stress environment mm-hmm. and there's points where I need to like just take a step back and, and it's, I'm never going to uh, completely make my anxiety disappear, but at least you can yeah. grab control of it and then get, grab control of the situation so you can put yourself in an area where you're like, okay, I can do this. I've done this before. This is not the, I'm not running from a bear. Yeah. Not, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's not the end of my life or my yes. world. And, well, and so. anxiety has that tendency like it did to you to, to have a very permanent type yes. of thinking where it's like, this is going to be forever. Is, yeah. yeah. That yeah. was the scariest part. Yeah. It's like, I'm in like this, like, bad dream and it's yeah. never gonna end I, when I was um, in college I wrestled at college and um, we have like for the like, preseason training we had like a wellness day so it was either uh, yoga or it was um, like meditation when I was a freshman sophomore in college I was so immature like we would come in and we would uh, you know I would take yeah. it so like lightly I was yeah I was yeah. joking around and you know we were just like Wait messing around. Wait till you're a real adult. Exactly. <laughs> Little do I, I, if I could uh, strangle the, my younger self for doing that and just, because to pick up a couple more skills and just paying attention. But as I was getting a little bit older in college, my, you know, junior, senior year, I was really understanding the value of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just want to talk about that. Like, you know, you, you kind of hone that skill. Some of the things that you talk about are breathing. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So what I was just saying about the nervous system is the, you can think of the meditation as your thought training, mm-hmm. right? But the breath work, the yoga breathing, and these are techniques that have been around for thousands and thousands of years, but have also been scientifically studied in sports physiology, mm-hmm. um, in, you know, in the context of yoga. So there is evidence that breath work specifically will modulate your nervous system. Mm. The way it does this is it communicates up a big nerve in your body that goes from about the um, bottom of your tailbone all the way up your spine to your brain. And when you take deep diaphragmatic breaths, and when you do it in a specific way where you're breathing longer and slower... It actually communicates up this nerve and tells your brain to activate your parasympathetic response. So again, it's not just like, woo-woo, I'm going to breathe and everything's going to be okay. Like, no, it's actually going to have a physical effect on your body that's going to shut down that crazy energy of your brain. Yeah. Uh, I talked about this with someone recently in the field. The past, like, 25 years, it seems like people are taking it a little bit more seriously. Yeah, because I think we're seeing the scientific evidence. We're seeing the effects of that. 
It's effective. It's safe for most people. I could teach you a breath practice right now that's so easy. You're going to be like, that's so simple. How does that even work? But it does. Mm -hmm. So if you could learn one very simple thing that you don't have to be standing on your head or like crossing your legs. You don't even have to sit on the floor. You can sit in a chair and, and use that for your everyday life mm-hmm. instead of medication. Again, some people might need the medication, but some of us don't. You know, I think aside from the people that have anxiety, we all experience stress. I call this the pressure of being human, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and you you said your older self would strangle your younger self, right? Because you didn't realize the kind of pressure you were going to experience as you got older and 100%. older. It just increases exponentially. You know, these are things that companies can use, uh, people, organizations, to relieve the pressure of being human. Right. Why not? I actually, um, I took a yoga class in college, and um, it was like yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and she taught us this, It was I think it was called Ujjayi Breathing Breath. Ujjayi, yeah. Ujjayi, yeah, and it was, after I did it once, and then I did it outside of the class when I was panicking, and the way it made me feel, I was, I, I literally was like, is this like magic? Yeah. I'm like, is this like some crazy thing that like, yeah. why aren't we taught this younger? Like yeah. why, you know, because I, I mean, at least I find that people, like there's a lot of young kids that also experience it and the oh, parents are like, yeah. you just, but like buckle through it or like yeah. whatever. And like, yes. but if you could teach them like this breathing yeah. and it physically helps and like, why aren't we doing those things? So I just find it incredible that these, these practices actually work. Like, yes. Yeah. That left side, right side right, is an yeah. oversimplification of what I just explained to you about the nervous system. It's crazy. That's all that is. Yeah. And, you know, it's too much sometimes to explain to a young class, but kids now, especially social media. I mean, look at all of us. We're in the same about age, age range. How happy are we that social media didn't exist when oh we were God. kids? Oh, my God. Oh my God. So happy. Grateful. Right? Because yeah. of the stress and pressure that it puts on this next generation. And we're seeing, you know, working for the news, I see firsthand a lot of these studies that come out, we are seeing a huge increase in the anxiety and stress and pressure of the younger generation because there's just so much to live up to. Right. Yeah. And we're constantly putting our focus on the external and we lose track of our own internal, you know, sensation being. It's like, do you even know anything about the way your own body works? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you're so out there in the world obsessed with knowing and being part of everything, FOMO, FOMO, right? Mm-hmm. But if we can at least have a balance. Again, it's not bad to be social out in the world, social media. Uh, it's not bad or or better to be always focused on your internal it's about balance it's about finding the right amount of each one anything in excess is a poison yeah right you know uh i saw that jerry seinfeld a lot of actors and comedians were doing tm transcendental meditation and seinfeld pretty much it and i think he has like an organization where he either has his own or works with someone who has a tm david lynch yes david lynch and he will, like, Jerry will go to, Jerry, like, I'm friends with him, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> He's like, a long Islander. Exactly. Yes, we got to pass. Um, Seinfeld will, like, go to these events and teach kids and yeah. adults about TM because how valuable it is. Yeah. He was saying, essentially, with the, the grind of that TV show and delivering every week, he had to schedule it during work. Yeah. Like, during his workday, he had to schedule the 20 minutes or whatever it is for him. He felt it was, like, better than sleep almost. Yeah. 
Yes, that's what my grandfather used to practice and used to say. Mm -hmm. My grandfather, especially at a later point of his life, didn't sleep more than like three to four hours a night, but Mm -hmm. did transcendental meditation for 20 minutes twice a day. So he'd do it in the morning, he'd do it in the evening. For a lot of people, that's not really that accessible as a practice because that's a lot of time, Mm -hmm. right? We're also in a a time of like nobody has any time. Mm -hmm. But if you could do something for five minutes, you know, if you could do a uh, breath practice for five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, and five minutes in the middle of the day, then that's 15 minutes total. And why I really like teaching the yoga breathing, even above meditation, is because meditation is sort of like the next level. If we can start with the breathing, right. the breathing can actually help you get into more of right. a calmer state of mind first. And then you can kind of do the meditation as a second level to that. Yeah. Have you have you heard of Calm the the yes, app? Yeah. So yeah. that's funny. I was actually scrolling through social media and I and I saw this and I was like and it was giving a breathing exercise like inhale for five, hold for three, exhale for five, and I was like let me try it. I did it and it actually like you feel something positive going on throughout yes. your body and and like we were saying before how it's such a big focus in like today's world like LeBron James is is an advocate for yeah, Calm. He's a, he's a sponsor for, for Calm. So yeah. and he's one of the most influential you know people in world. not just sports like you know just in general population and. Yeah. And for him to still, like you know advocate that and sponsor that, it's huge it's because a big step for, like, exactly, society, exactly. I think so, and I think that you know it's becoming more popular, and it may seem that way to us, but it's also more needed. Like mm-hmm. it needs to be even more. It needs to be in every you know classroom and every like that's my ideal utopian vision of it, right? But that breath practice, and now that you know on a physiological level what that's actually doing, that it's activating these calming chemicals in your body, it can actually make it even more effective when you know what it's doing, right? Right. Because you're not just thinking, like you did in your experience, that it's some mystical experience. Mm -hmm. No, it's very chemical, it's very physical, it's very scientific. Let's say that someone wanted to get on a, you know, better wellness track. Okay. They are not happy. They're unhappy with their, the state of their body mm-hmm. and their mind. Mm-hmm. Which one do you start with first? So, you know, it's interesting. In the yogic tradition, the reason why we have the asana practice, which is the physical poses, that's even though that's called yoga, that's actually just one part of like an eight-limbed system in yoga, mm. is because they basically say that it's easier for people to go from the physical to the more right. subtle. So it's easier to kind of start with the body that's kind of superficial, that's kind of, you know, easier to tackle at first, and then you go into the deeper layers of the mind. So yeah, I'd say for a lot of people, it might be easier to get your physical health in order, or at least start there first, and then kind of start to incorporate these things. And if you could view the breath work as being a physical practice too, mm-hmm. then you're doing that and you're you're also accessing the mind. Yeah. The body and mind are integrally tied. The healthier you are physically, I'm sure you feel this, mm-hmm. when you feel healthy, energized, your mind is clearer, sharper, yeah. all those things. 100%. And with the physical part of it, that's something you can like guarantee, right? So if you know, you're not feeling like, oh, I can guarantee my mind's going to be feeling more balanced after something, you can guarantee yourself running a couple miles, you know, yeah. one or two miles, and then it will slowly come. So I kind of, you know, have that same philosophy. Um, me and um, me and my friends did a yoga class. This was one of the first yoga classes I've ever taken. And, and I was a little bit more into it than she was. And she was like, I'm so excited. Like, this is going to be like relaxing. And I'm like, have you ever done yoga? Like, <laughs> like it, it is like at the end of the class, you do feel very calm and yeah. relaxed. But during, you're, like you're, sw- I mean, it was me. <laughs> yeah. I'm sweating. Yeah. I'm like, like your hamstrings hurt, <laughs> your your wrists hurt. So yeah. it's crazy that something 
um, in the moment that might be stressful or... Um, yeah. Grueling. Yeah, grueling. <laughs> right. At, when you're finished and you're walking out of the class, you're, you literally feel like you're... Like, you just feel like there's energy flowing through. You just feel amazing. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's crazy that such a hard practice yes. is so relieving in a sense. So it's... Yeah. Some people, like... Forget that, like, there's hard, there's, you're not just going to go in there and, like you said, like, sit there and <laughs> all of a sudden you're going to be like, I'm good to go. Like, yeah. there is hard work that goes into a practice like this, which is crazy. Yeah, and I think that um, there are there are many different styles of yoga, and if all you want is the relaxation, you can go to a yin style or you can go to a, you know, restorative style. Those are some of the more very just all focused on relaxation. But effort leads to ease right that's the idea is that you put in the hard work you put in the effort it's like working your whole life to make a lot of money and then you retire right like it's like it's like bodybuilding when you exercise or whatever and then you see the gains afterwards you have to put in the effort and the work it's the same with meditation you know people think they're just gonna sit down and have like clear thinking all of a sudden no you have to put in the work to then get the benefit and the ease and relaxation that then comes all right, let's let's jump topics. I before that, I want to sell yoga with one other thing. In a yoga session, at least the ones I've been to, you get a you get a nice little nap at the end. Yes. <laughs> All right, so they do like a guided. Uh, it's called shavasana. shavasana. Yes. And fun fact, just to tie back to that nervous system thing, that time allows your nervous system to integrate the effects of the yoga practice. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a big focus on goat yoga I've seen. It's like a new thing. It's oh, a new trend, I, I saw. I guess like the, <laughs> have, you ever, have you done it? I, you know what? Uh, I haven't done it. I had tickets to one that got canceled at the end of the uh, year last year. Here's the thing. Yoga end. It's like, what can you right. add? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm, and honestly, I teach a meditation and beer class on, you know, on a rotating basis. So it's like, like whatever way you could get people into it, I think that's great. Some yeah. people will say, oh, that's not traditional. It, this isn't traditional yoga. Yeah. This is not 5,000 years ago. This yeah, is nice. now. It's modern. It's mm-hmm. different. And that's okay. That's natural evolution. Well, that's the thing, too, is that when you're incorporating beer, it's not only like making it fun. It's showing that you don't have to be like a complete monk to yes. be like you, know, <laughs> like you can have a balance yeah you can like yeah. still drink on the weekends and do you can have that balance it's not yeah. like you have to be a perfect person yeah, with like total it. zen all yeah. the time you can yeah. be yeah, or a purist. Yeah, right. Exactly. I wanted to talk about law of attraction with you because yeah. you know when we talk about thoughts and you know the idea of thoughts becoming things. Do you do things like a vision board? Yeah. So I think that um, there there's a couple layers with the law of attraction right. and thoughts and their their um, magnetism, right? right? Manifestation. First, you could think about everything on an energetic level. Everything in the universe is energy vibrating at a certain frequency. Okay, mm-hmm. That's not me being weird. That's the law of physics. That's, that's scientific fact. That includes your thoughts. Your thoughts, even though they may seem like, like little you know, air bubbles mm-hmm. above your head, right? They're actual tangible energy vibrating at a certain frequency. Right? Vibrations are magnetic. They attract other things. So that's in a very basic explanation of the energy. It's a whole podcast to talk yeah, about you, that. You yeah. actually did a really good job just summing it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very impressed. Oh, good. Thank <laughs> you. But let's talk about it on a very practical level. Your thoughts create your beliefs that then create your actions, which then become your habits. Mm. So if you think of it on that level... If you're thinking in a certain direction all the time, you're thinking, oh, I can't do this diet, it's too hard, you're going to eat junk food, 
that's going to become a habit and you're going to be overweight. I mean, that is a just one-to-one thought becoming a thing. Right. Right? So if we think about it even on that level, everything thought I'm having, if it's positive, it's going to lead me towards positive actions. If it's negative, it's going to lead me towards negative actions. Yeah. And that's, like, really how it works. I mean, it it gets very overcomplicated. But if we can think about it on the actionable level, make it real for people, then maybe it's not so hard to grasp. Yeah. 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 And with the the thing about the vision board, like, that's, like, the tangible thing always people always talk about, which can, like, kind of get, like, corny, like it's a Pinterest thing. But, like, at the same time, it's one of those things where when you have it in front of you and you're seeing it every day, you're reinforcing that thought. And you're going to take the actions that are going to eventually lead you you right. to manifest you know Correct. or create that reality i had a vision board in 2013 that had all kinds of things on it mm-hmm. um that was probably the last time i made one because i have like a constant vision board in my head right mm-hmm. like yeah yes it's great to see it i think it helps um but when we have goals and we're working towards them that's a mm-hmm. thought becoming a thing right um everything on that vision board came true but it took for in some cases years right. it right. took in some cases you know that's the other thing too i think people think they're going to have the thought it's going to magically appear in 10 seconds in front of them it's like oh i want a million dollars and a bag of money drops from the sky it's like no it might take you 10 years to manifest the thing that you're trying to manifest because this reality is slow and it's energy energy to matter I want to jump to um, a little segment we call the drawing board. So essentially we go into the X's and O's of, you know, how you've become successful in your industry. So the one thing that we looked at is uh, the Valentine's Day segment you did um, at, it was a restaurant, I believe. Yeah, Love Lane. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, at Love Lane. And uh, it was three gentlemen and you were asking them about what they did or got for their spouses for Valentine's Day. (laughs) And it was a little bit of a power shift and you had to take back control. So when is he going to ask you to... uh marry you uh, oh oh i think that you just called my boyfriend out on live tv so. mark so. my goodness i know that so well stephanie <laughs> and by the way Corey, she's on love lane in manitoba <laughs> should you need to show up wow yeah you know honestly it's funny because um it really was just about being in the moment right you know i think for me my greatest success has come through being authentically myself mm-hmm. you know when you see me on tv it's not any different than the person I am right now. You know, it's maybe like I'm a little more energized, right. but it's me on my best day ever. And how I handled that situation was how I'd handle it in normal life, kind of, you know, not taking it too seriously, having fun with it, and recognizing that that guy did me a favor because that segment was probably going to be very boring otherwise. <laughs> and it turned into the best yeah. uh, must-watch TV ever. So, yeah. like, you know, for me, and, and I'm very secure too, I think it also, if I was just dating my boyfriend at that point for like three weeks, it yeah. might have been weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we live together. We kind of know that's like down the line. Very secure in that relationship. Right. You have to be secure in yourself. You have to be authentic to yourself. And you just have to be in the moment because my response was just being in the moment, right. how I would respond. Two things with that. One, you did a great job with yeah, not really taking did. it personally, too. Like, not personally in the sense that he didn't try to offend you, yeah. but like... I, you see these like epic fails for like in the newsroom <laughs> yeah. or like yeah. doing you know doing some reporting where like someone will say something even like in some kind of debate like someone will say something 
and when they're like trying to just flip it to get it off them, yeah. then it gets put back on you and you might take it personal and then it just gets ugly. Yeah. You just were like, you know, you, you made it light and it was yeah. fun. It was like a, it's a funny segment. Yeah, I think right. it was hilarious. Yeah, it was I, mean, yeah. I was just going to say it was laughable. Yeah. Like, yeah. The way you handled it was great. And I think um, that honestly speaks a lot about like how comfortable you are in yeah. your own mind. And there was probably nothing he could have said or done yeah. that was going to make you, because you had control the whole time. And I think that speaks to, though, the work I've done. You know, yeah, exactly. like I, before this time of my life and before yoga, I was actually very insecure. I was actually very uncomfortable in myself. I was actually very, you know, I wanted to be an actor, but I can't see how back then I could have ever done that or had the confidence to do that. So I think doing this self-work, mm-hmm. doing this personal development really made me able to stand in that moment. It's a testament to how far I've come. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I always think about like, you know, at the stage I'm at where, you know, late 20s getting into my 30s and I, I thought like, oh, I should have done this earlier, but I think I developed the skills and the tools and the experiences to get me to this place where it's like, it was supposed to happen this yeah, way. Exactly. So, which is a good thing that, you know, you're reinforcing to us as well too. The one other thing is like, you can't lose the mic. That's like a whole, not that you're in like danger of yeah. losing the mic, but like, that's like one thing that I learned working at a, a yeah. news company was like, if you ever get the mic stolen, you're in, you're yeah, in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> cut, cut. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, I want to talk about uh, Dog Day Fridays because yeah. that's a huge favorite of mine. Yeah. When I worked there, it was uh, I would like sneak down and yeah. watch you guys do the dogs. Yeah. It was so fun. But like, there's probably not some fails, but there's some times where they're like scratching your legs and like snipping at you <laughs> and stuff like that. But there's obviously yeah. the cuter moments too. But yeah. like, how fun is that segment? Yeah, you know, first of all, I think it's amazing that I get to play with dogs right. at work. Yeah. You it's know, and just like talk about them on a Friday. Yeah. We have bagels in the office on Friday too. So like Fridays are clearly the best at least. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, look, that's interviewing people about live animals on live TV. The risk of a problem is certainly very high. We've, we've been very lucky, but you know, I've got, uh, I got the dress on, I've got the nice clothes on. I'm, I'm a little worried they're going to jump on me mm-hmm. and rip something wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> so, um, you know, there've been a couple of times where yeah. that's happened definitely, or, or dogs don't, as soon as that camera turns on, a dog doesn't behave how you want it to behave. But that's the essence of Zen, right? Like, and the same with traffic reporting is like being able to surrender what you can't control mm. and just really being in the chaos of the moment. Mm-hmm. And riding that wave. And that's what we're learning to do in these practices. We're not learning to be better controllers of our reality because we can't do that. We're learning to be better surfers, if that makes sense. So dog days is like a great way to experience that firsthand. But then sometimes you get the dog that right at the end of the segment, like turns on their back and wants you to give them a belly (laughs) rub. And you're like, this is gold. (laughs) This is perfect. Coming from an HR background, I wanted to kind of throw you an HR question. Um, When you're talking about, um, you know, let's say all said and done, you know, you're kind of retired from what you've been doing. Let's say it was like TV personality stuff. Um, And, you know, I don't think you'll ever retire from wellness because you'll, you know, always have that personal wellness side to you. But what are some of the things that you want to be remembered by? Like some of the qualities that they'll say, you know what, Stephanie was this. Yeah. So um, it's funny because, you know, this is kind of the legacy of my grandfather. Mm. My grandfather on his tombstone wanted to have written the motivator. He was big into not just doing these practices for himself, but also lifting other people up, right? So he would say that he wanted to find the diamond in everybody, the diamond in the rough, and help them polish it and shine it and be a better version of themselves. 
I, and he passed away about two years ago, and I um, really at that time kind of realized that that's sort of what I had been trying to do all along, but didn't have a framework for it at all, because I always had this vague sense, like, I want to do something that matters, but not something that matters in a popular sense, not something that matters that gets me, you know, a a Hall of Fame, even though I am part of one (laughs) at Harris College. Um, but something that matters to the individual. So I always say this, and it's absolutely true. The things I do on social media, on Instagram, at Stephanie Rose TV, mm-hmm. um, if I could plant one seed in one person, and I don't need to be the teacher or the person that guides them through the whole process, but if I could plant one seed in one person that then 10 years from now they have evolved to be in such a better place because of it, that's the kind of thing that I would want to be remembered for. That's how you can measure your success. Yes. That's amazing. Because we're running out of time. I wanted to talk about some Long Island spots. You've been in a TV personality, so you've been, you know, responsible for checking out Love Lane and different spots on Long Island. So what are some of your favorite, like, food spots? Oh, okay. Well, I'm vegan. Okay. So uh, vegan Long Island is, like, my thing. Nice. Um, And I love Huntington Village. It's, you know, where I spend the most of my time. I live in Huntington. Nice. Um, So there's a lot of great... and I think this is just growing a lot of great vegan organic options mm-hmm. starting to pop up on Long Island. In Northport, you have the Purple Elephant, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I'm like a I'm more of a food person at this point in my life than a like go out and party kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> I just I want a good not, meal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh my god. And um, oh god, there's a, it's like a on the spot kind of question, right? But like three brothers in Farmingdale, mm-hmm. they have amazing vegan pizza. That's I think awesome. for us vegans on Long Island, we're seeing like this huge growth in what's available to us and that's that's what I'm most excited about on Long Island. That's awesome. Last question I wanted to ask you is that you've had that type of stress and anxiety and stuff like that and you still are willing to power through and put yourself in situations that are high anxiety. <laughs> yes, I What think, is that about I people? I think about like it every day when I wake up. Why do I work for the news right. as a person right. who has anxiety? No, it's true though. That's intense. Well, I think it's uh, you know, look, I think everybody for some people maybe that's not the right environment for mm-hmm. them and they have to recognize that their anxiety does not make their career or life choices conducive to what is best for them. But for me, I think a lot of my life has been learning to walk the tightrope and learning to balance because, um, you know, I want to make these ideas that I have used to help myself, Mm -hmm. you know, be under those high pressure situations accessible to other people Mm -hmm. who might be like, I happen to love the adrenaline of breaking news of being in that situation. Even if the next day I might be like, Whoa, I'm burnt out from the anxiety of it. That type of anxiety for me, and this is very personal is a little different than the, uh, than the internal anxiety that I experience. So becoming familiar with the different types of anxiety, anxiety, learning to navigate that, I think has actually made me more successful in a way, if that makes sense. hundred percent. Stephanie, thank you so much. If uh, people want to follow you, what's the best, uh, what's your handles? Yep. Stephanie Rose TV across the board. Perfect. Love it. (laughs) I'm going home and meditating. That's all. Yes. I know. I feel inspired. Yeah. Just breathe. I'm like very zen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. Thank you to Louis for jumping in and helping us out today. And thank you for Stephanie Rose. Uh, This is the Warmer Podcast. Peace, man. Peace. Oh, 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 oh,